Welcome to the Fifth Estate. They bring you the story. We bring you the truth. The Fifth Estate is the news behind the headlines, holding those in power in check. And now, with the real story, here's Cameron Blewett. Good evening, um, Victoria. Thank you for joining me here again on this another episode of the Fifth Estate Podcast. Oh, what are we up to? Episode sixty-three now for uh, where are we? Sunday, the eighteenth of September, two thousand and twenty-two. Uh, a couple of things to rant about tonight. Uh, actually, I, no, I'm, I'm going to be a bit mean here, and I'm not going to tell you what I'm going to rant about tonight. So, but, um, you'll probably get an idea. From the title, uh, when it goes, when it gets published on uh, iTunes, etc., etc., what some of the things are. So, if you're listening now, let's just go with it. Now, first cab off the rank tonight. Bit, a few more comments about Victoria Police. Now, came out. Uh, where are we? A couple of days ago. Now, two days ago. So it's a uh, Friday. Uh, Neil Mitchell was having a chat to the Police Association Secretary, Wayne Gatt. Now, he said that uh, police are regularly taking an hour to attend jobs such as armed robbery, home and home invasions. Now, let's just, I think it's time to, to pop everyone's bubble here and we need to stop having this fantasy that the police are going to come and save us from anything that is happening uh, Victoria Police won't. Um, they will get to us when they get to us if something is happening. And this is the thing. This is why we all need to start realising that we are the first responders. The police, fire and ambulance are not the first responders. We are the first responders. And as such, we need to uh, equip ourselves with the knowledge and the tools to be able to manage those situations where we find ourselves um that we may find ourselves in. Now, I hope that no one is in a situation where they need to uh, call on those skills, though it's the thing is that, you know, we do need to be prepared for them. Uh, So for that, what do I mean by that? I mean going out and, uh, you know, doing a first aid course, going to St John's or whoever the provider is that you choose to go to and doing an advanced first aid course for things like that, getting your family members uh, trained on first aid. This is what we need to do. We need to do this. We we are the first responders. We cannot. Rel- we can no longer in this state. We can no longer rely on the ambulance service to come and get us. We can no longer rely on the police force to come and save us from something. And who knows how long it's going to be before the fire brigades the same way. So this is the thing. Have. Uh, you know, stocked and, um, you know, be proficient in the first aid kits that that are available. Have one of them or two of them at home. Uh, I have, I've got one in the car, a little individual first aid kit I take with me when I go out. Uh, There's, and two at home here. So um, I've got, 
if I'm at home, I've got three first aid kits that are available within you know with, within meters of, of where I am. Um, you should also have uh, a decent amount of fire extinguishers, fire blankets, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, to deal with uh, the unlikely event that a fire starts. Your smoke alarms should be working. Your smoke alarms um, should be tested. I think it was Queensland used to do it um, every April 1st. There'd be a big advertising campaign to change the batteries in your smoke alarm. Um, from that, I'm, I'm from memory, I think it was April 1st, yeah, because you don't want to be an April Fool uh, for that. So, and, and this is the thing. And, you know, let's go one step further. If police are taking an hour to attend an armed robbery or a home invasion, why don't we have castle doctrine here? Why aren't we able to defend our homes? And and this is what we need to start looking at. This is what we need to put the pressure on the government for. Don't let's not turn around and say, hey, yep, throw millions and millions of dollars or billions of dollars or whatever it is that you want to throw at it, and we'll you know increase the times and um, you know Im- improve callouts. No, no, that that is the wrong thing. Because ultimately, you're paying. Uh, we're paying you, or you're taking. You're stealing money off us uh, to go and fund something that won't come to us in time when we need them. So we either need to be changing the rules for private security, where we can have our own private security that uh, are able to uh, look after our properties and, and premises. Or we need to be able to do it ourselves. And if we are to do it ourselves, then we need to be able to to do that and not face the consequences of, um, you know, particular instances that, that happen. And, you know, th- this is the thing. If, if people like, and it comes back to uh, that media big thing that was uh, a couple of months ago now where Beck Judd said she didn't feel safe at home because of the increase in home invasions and, and of course, Supreme Leader Andrews turned around and said, this person doesn't know what they may have, uh, from memory, or paraphrasing, that uh, the Supreme Leader turned around and said that this person does not know, or that person, I can't remember which one he used because he won't use people's names, especially when they're a female, uh, didn't know what they were talking about and the figures don't lie and, and this and that and all this other bullshit to try and uh, distract attention away from his own incompetence. So, you know, this is the, and, and funnily enough, as the stats came out, uh, I think that the stats said that they, her concerns were justified. Now, having the Secretary of the Police Association, Wayne Gatt, who I think should resign. Uh, he needs to resign or at least get booted out of office because his um, behaviour and response over the last two years has been freaking abysmal. Um, you know, I'll finish the rant, then I'm going to get onto that. Um, so so this is it. For him to turn around at, at this point in time, to turn around and say that, hey, yes, there is a delay in, um, you know, police attending these types of events and, you know, this is only a political stunt by him. This is what he's trying to do. He's got his nose out of joint with the Andrews regime, so he's trying to embarrass the Andrews regime any way that he can and this is the way that he can do it, you know, a couple of months out from an election is by turning around saying, hey, you know what? We, we're the only state in Victoria that doesn't publish police response times and we're also holding off, you know, attending jobs up to an hour or maybe more, such as armed robbery, home invasions, etc., etc. Now, you know, the, the, the whole... Uh, so, <laughs> a lot of things that I want to rant about with this, with regards to this and, and this individual. Um, 
So, yes. So, yeah, it, it's the thing. We need to be viewed as first responders and we need to have the mentality that we are the first responders and the police are not, the fire amb- fire brigade is not, the ambulance is not. We are the first responders. I mean, even by definition, it says that we are the first responders because the, the first person that comes onto to a scene of something is the first responder. Making a phone call to someone is not calling the first responders. So we need to get rid of this romanticism, romanticism romanticizing the roles that they have in society. And yeah, so time to put pressure on the government and turn around and say, hey, we need castle doctrine here. We need castle law. And that is that we can defend our houses. If someone comes in, we are justified in using lethal force to to, um, to neutralise the threat. Uh, and, and that's what you're doing. You're neutralising the threat. And if it happens that lethal force is the option that's available, mate, well, that's it. Uh, there was something that I was told many, many, many years ago. Uh, it's better to be tried by 12 than carried by 6. So it, it's the thing. It just needs to be done. We need to be in a uh, modern society where police are taking an hour to come to a home invasion. Remember, an hour. What are you going to do for an hour while there's a home invasion? You're going to sit there and talk to them and just say, hey, hold on, I've called the police. I know they're going to be about an hour, so can you just hold on what you're doing? No. I mean, it's this is just freaking ridiculous. And it's, it's yeah, one of those things where we do need to turn around and say enough is enough. And if it comes to it that we have to change the laws in the, the Weapons Act in this state and turn around and say that, no, we can have and actually believe that denying our ability to protect our homes uh, via council doctrine is a contradiction to the um, Charter of uh, Responsibilities. Uh, let me have a look. Because there is a one, um, one of them which is a human right um, that talks about protecting the family. Uh, right to life, section nine. Um, right to protection of family and children, section 17. Uh, here we go. We'll have a look what the equal opportunities thing says. It doesn't print the whole lot. Here we go. Download. The right to life. Um, Section 9 of the Charter of Human Rights and Responsibility means that every person has a right to life and not to have their life and the right to not have their life taken. It also requires the governments governments to protect the right to life. The Charter applies to public authorities in Victoria such as state and local government departments, agencies and people delivering services. On So this is the thing. If someone's... And it's from... What is it? The safety trap where... The author, can't remember his name now, he said that his thing is that if they're coming during the day, they're after your things. If they're coming at night, they're after you. So this is the thing. If someone come, breaks into your house at night time, you have to believe that they're coming for you. And that's the thing is that, hey, you're right to life. Well, isn't the government denying that by turning around and saying that, 
we uh, are unable to protect ourselves. So then uh, Section 17 of the Charter recognises the family unit as a fundamental part of society. It also recognises that children may need particular protection to ensure the way that they are treated is in their best interest. The Charter applies to public authorities. Oh. Hey. That is interesting. Um. And reading that now, it's um, something that I'll use for schools later on because there's a whole lot of safe um, – um, the whole safe schools bullshit which gets into um, stuff that is indoctrinating our children. So potentially that's that's a conflict with that. Um, so, yeah, we'll have to wait and see. Um, but anyway, uh, getting back onto this, so – you know, it, it's the thing we need to get away from it. Um, Wayne Gatt and who's Peter Abbey, Assistant Secretary, as I've said before, they need to resign. Their whole compliance with the Andrews regime, with the way that Victoria Police resources were used through the last two and a bit years of COVID lockdown has just been friggin' disgusting. Um, and it's, you know, it's not something that anyone should be tolerating in this state. Uh, remember under Peel's laws that they are only there because we give them the authority to be there and I think that they've exceeded their social licence in what they're doing. Now, further on to that and something that I think it just shows the incompetence of uh, today's corporate media, in particular Neil, Neil Mitchell, um, he, now in this conversation, this recorded conversation, you'll be able to find this on the 3AW website uh, Mr. Gatt turns around and says, uh, I think on two separate occasions that Victoria Police have taken an oath to look after the community uh, and they have not. Let me clarify that. And so Neil Mitchell should have called him out for, for a flat-out lie. Um, but, hey, you know what? Th- their job is to just to romanticise everything and to, you know, to be the PR pieces for the authoritarian regime that we're living under. Now, according to the Victoria Police Act of 2013, Schedule 2, Form 1 is an oath of affirmation for police officers. I, insert name, swear by Almighty God or do do solemnly and sincerely affirm that I will well and truly serve our Sovereign Lady the Queen as a police officer in Victoria in any capacity in which I may be appointed, promoted or reduced to without favour or affection, malice or ill will for the period of, insert period, from this date, uh, and until I am legally discharged and that I will see and cause Her Majesty's peace to be kept and preserved and that I will prevent to the best of my powers all offences and that and that while I continue to be a police officer, I will to the best of my skill and knowledge discharge all the duties legally imposed on me faithfully and according to law. Now, look after the community is not the same as cause Her Majesty's peace to be kept and preserved. Let's make that fucking clear. Let's make that clear now. <laughs> Don't in the swear jar. Um, but, you know, this is the thing. You know, as I'm, you know, it, it's going to be a little bit of a uh, bugbear for me. Um, we need to stop romanticising the role. We need to stop turning around and saying, oh, but there's good people in it. Well... How can there be good people in a bad organisation? Um, how long will those good people last? Uh, and, and this is the thing, is that 
Can you be a good person in a bad organisation? Can you be a good person in a corrupt organisation? And this is the thing. This is what I'd like to know. And what... So, okay, let's say there's good people in Victoria Police and individually they may be, though you can say the same thing about a lot of people. Um, So from that... So there's a good person in Victoria Police. Well... They've seen their superiors do awful things like giving orders to open fire on um, protesters with rubber bullets, with capsicum spray, with who knows what, goading protesters and facing off with protesters with shields, um, flashbangs, etc., etc. So, you know what, where are the good people stopping the bad people from doing that? And it's a thing. Uh, so it's just that. I mean, we, we need to get away from it. We need to stop relying on the state to be our protector. The state is not going to protect us. And the last two years, whether you're, a, you know, one of these people that just thought COVID was going to be the worst thing that came out, the state didn't protect us from that because according to uh, the Department of Health, Looking for this right now as we talk. Um, ah, we're moving to weekly reporting. The next page. Will, so this was last updated uh, Friday. Okay, between Friday the 9th and Thursday the fifteenth of September. Okay. Um, They have an average of 11 people a day died. Now, obviously it doesn't say with or from, uh, but that's the thing is that the, the state's not going to protect us from that. Um, I think the state has done a um, woeful job and have made the situation worse instead of turning around and saying that, hey, you know what, the chances of you dying from this is very low if you have these comorbidities or these risk factors, let's reduce these risk factors. Though I'm not going to get onto a big rant about that one. I'm just saying that this is the thing. The state will not protect us. The state will not protect you from someone that wants to invade your home. All they can do is have someone respond to it, maybe an hour or so later after you've made the initial phone call. So stop letting, stop believing that the state is going to protect you. We need to protect ourselves. We need to be our own first responders. And as I've said, this involves getting first aid training, getting advanced first aid training, learning how to use a fire extinguisher, having enough fire extinguishers in your house, having enough fire blankets in your house that can do that, having enough first aid kits in your house that you can respond to most minor situations. And if that means that you need to get a defibrillator and and let the people in your neighbourhood know or just even go to the point of having one outside a house somewhere and you all chip in that, hey, you know what, if Joe Blow or someone has a heart attack, yep, there's a defibrillator a couple of doors up, we can go and grab that because that's the thing. If you've got to wait 25 minutes, 15 minutes, whatever, for an ambulance, wouldn't you be better off getting a defibrillator from a neighbour's house and going, hey, this is what we need, this is what we have uh, for that. So, you know what, this is the thing. We need to stop relying on the state to be our protectors and our saviours. They are not going to do it. So, anyway, 
talking about saviors and protectors, something else that came on um, about the Andrews regime. Uh, this was in the Daily Mail today that there's new laws or things that uh, Supreme Leader Andrews is bringing out for Victoria. Uh, changes to the Metropolitan and Regional Parks regulations. Now they will expire March of next year, so they will come into force after that. What that means is um, you, if you walk off a park trail, you'll be liable for a fine. Uh, changes include a fine of up to $924 for walking off a park trail, which is set out by the land manager. So Victorians conducting intrusive research at a park, such as a scientific study, could be hit with a $1,400 fine. Intrusive research is defined in the proposals as interfering with wildlife, soil, rocks, vegetation or visitors, or that contravenes any regulation applying to the park. So if you do some, a survey there, you're interfering with a visitor. So that is classed as intrusive research. Yeah. If you want to go a swim and, you know, you want to swim in a body of water at a park, you need a permit unless that water waterway has been clearly designated for swimming. So this is it. So you want to go for a swim in a billabong or a river or something like that? Nope, you need a permit. Um, there's more. Um, rock, sail, rock climbers, abseilers, hang gliders and paragliders will also need to get a permit unless the area has been designated for it. Now, Crown Land Managers will determine what areas of the park are permitted for activities such as walking, swimming or rock climbing. Now, now this one is interesting. Filling up a chainsaw with fuel or oil on a soft surface. Now, it says a soft surface, so that's on the ground. It will also be a finable offence of up to $1,840. Okay, Victorians must not fill up a chainsaw while collecting firewood unless the chainsaw is on an impermeable surface. So that's basically a slab of concrete or you fill it up in the back of your ute or something like that. Um, so it's, it's you know, what? I mean, we are living in the nanny state. It's just getting beyond a joke. What is going on here? Um, so, you know what, it, it's the thing. Remember, nothing here is ours um, according to the regime it is theirs and we get to use it, you know, with their permission. Uh, so, yeah, it's it, it it's one of those things is that I think it's time that we changed the regime um, where, you know, basically who controls this state. Um, not telling you how to vote or anything like that, um, but, yeah, it's it's something that, things are only going to get worse because he's seen how much we will put up with with regards to the woo flu. We accepted 23-hour-a-day lockdowns. You're only allowed outside for an hour a day. We accepted a five-kilometre radius. We accepted not having our family and friends come over and visit us because of science. We accepted not being able to go to work because we weren't an essential employee. We accepted not being able to go for a drive because I want to or because we need to get out of the house. No, we could only go for a drive if it was for shopping, it was for medical and we had five reasons for leaving the house. We accepted our kids doing Zoom schooling for 
bits and pieces of, of the last year and a half or two years or however long it was, we accepted that. So this is the thing. He knows what we will accept. And yes, we will accept not being able to do this. Why? I have no idea. And it's about time that we pushed back and said, no, enough is enough. Um, so, yes. Now, I did touch on the Wu flu thing a little bit. So this is a bit of a hard segue into the next thing. Um, there was, uh, what was it? Uh, during some of the protests, uh, there was, you could see people, <laughs> a couple of people running around with signs talking about um, having unvaccinated sperm and all that sort of stuff. And everyone laughed at that, uh, saying, oh, no, you know, look, mocking it and that, you know, the unvaccinated sperm is going to be worth, you know, going to be like gold in years to come and, and things like that. Now I still chuckle at um, <laughs> remembering all that sort of stuff because it's just, you know, who would have thought that, um, you know, Someone would be putting a sign up in that. I certainly didn't have that one on my bingo card. Now, that being said, something came out in the age yesterday. Too many women, not enough sperm. Sperm, the Victorian donor dilemma. Now, when Victorian woman Nina decided to have a baby by herself, she ran into a problem. There's not enough sperm to go around. Specifically, not enough Caucasian sperm. So, this is the thing. There's not enough sperm. So, um, yeah, it's um, mm. Dr. Fleur Cattrall, the medical director of Melbourne IVS, says the highest demand is for Caucasian donors. Um, unfortunately, the availability of sperm of Caucasian donor sperm is not meeting demand in Victoria with each of the women spoken to for this article either unable to find Caucasian donors statewide or hearing of women struggling to find them. Um, The situation is extremely problematic, believes Professor Fiona Kelly, Dean of the La Trobe Law School. Hmm. Why why is the law getting involved in it? Anyway, um, yeah. Um, Throughout the COVID-19 Pandemic Victorian sperm donors plummet, donations plummeted. One IVF clinic reported a ninety percent drop in sperm donor inquiries. Um, so, yeah, it's um, it, it's amusing. Um, you know, that's that's another one that I never thought I'd have on my bingo card um, for that. So, but yeah. Strange days that we're living in, I can tell you that much. Um, what else is there? Um, uh, no camping at the Philip Island Grand Prix. I'm, I'm trying, you know, you know, I've got to be careful what I say because we're coming up to an election period and if I make any comments about anything, then, hey, it could be classed as election information and that, you know what, it's telling people how to vote, etc., etc. Well, you know what, no, this is just the political, 
can't even say it, a political commentary podcast. Um, how you vote is entirely up to you. Uh, I am just putting things out there in a different spin on things and maybe getting to the, you know, getting behind all the bullshit. Um, and speaking of that uh, is the uh, claim from or the promise from uh, the regime that uh, the Labor government will invest $20 million to, insta- to establish the paramedic practitioner role in an, with an agreed model of care that can strengthen our ambulance service while easing pressure on our busy hospitals at the same time. We'll have at least 25. Wow. Paramedic practitioners trained and on the road by 2026 and studying to become a practi- paramedic practitioner will be absolutely free with government-provided scholarships. Should we be throwing money at these problems or should we, as I said at the, the, the top of the show, the start of the show, um, take responsibility for ourselves and realise that there we are our own first responders and, you know, only rely on the state being ambulance service, whatever, whatever, when we are not able to do things ourselves. Um, and so, yeah, this is... The, I, I really think that this isn't going to be the problem. It's would be far better that if he spent that $20 million training up uh, Victorians unable to respond to their own medical problems. Uh, you know, I'm talking about minor medical problems. I'm talking about, you know, minor things that they'd likely call an ambulance for that they don't really need to. Uh, and then... Also changing the way the GP system works and it's something that can be done because the state has a power. Yes, they're um, under the federal body which is APRA or health and whatever it is. Uh, Those bodies though, it's still the responsibility of the states from memory Uh, and we can do that, you know, change the system, change the way that doctor surgeries are run, um, change that. And it's just they, there's so many things that can be done, yet they don't want to do it because it will upset a particular interest group. And instead they turn around and throw money at things and, hey, yes, we'll steal more of your money so we can fix a problem that we stuffed up decades ago. If we had got our heads out of our kybers and looked at it then instead of handing over your money to our own interest groups and, and doing things that just to help those that that we are in bed with or um, owe an allegiance to, we wouldn't be in this problem. So it's the thing. Throwing money is not going to help what is going on. It is not going to help the situation. And so, you know what, we've still got another four years. Let's say hypothetically the regime does get in. Four years to have these paramedic practitioners on the road what happens in those four years? How many people are going to die in those four years? How many deaths is he willing to accept and is the Victorian population willing to accept to get these 25 paramedic practitioners on the road? I mean, we've seen, what is it, 30 deaths due to the Esther stuff-up for that. So, you know, it's the thing. We need to just cut the BS um, turn around and say, no, enough's enough. 
we in, spend the $20 million on getting people off their backsides and outside. Oh, no, sorry, we can't do that because we told any, everyone to stay inside because of COVID. Oh, oh, well, what do we do? Well, we keep people locked up and we wonder why they're getting sick and our health system's being overlooked. And, you know, th- this is the thing. All these elective surgeries, what's what's the problem that, that these elective surgeries are going to be uh, creating because elective surgery wasn't allowed during the regime's lockdowns and during periods where uh, Supreme Leader Andrews decided that they weren't uh, an essential thing. Now, some um, bits of what is called elective surgery may not be essential to uh, Mr. Andrews and the relevant or the former health ministers, though it would have been something that was essential to the person that was having the operation. Now, it's the thing is that we need to stop, you know, we need to, to stop this whole fascination with, oh, that's non-essential and that's an essential worker, that's a non-essential worker, and stop with this elective surgery and, and all that sort of stuff. Surgery, surgery. Um, you know what? If, if it's something that you don't really need getting done, but you're going, you know, you need to do it because of, of, of something that's your own, desire whether it's you know plastic surgery or cosmetic surgery for your own part then call that what it is but don't don't lump all bits of, of things into um elective surgery would a neat reconstruction be elective surgery Doesn't say. Um, oh, there we go. Yeah, it does say. I think it is considered elective surgery. Now, can you imagine needing a knee reconstruction and having the regime turn around and say, oh, no, that's elective surgery? You can't get that done. Um, so, yeah, it, it's a thing. I think there's there's a whole lot that needs to be answered for um, for that. And, you know, voting for the uni party is not going to sit, fix that. Um, the only way to do that is to get them out of office. Um So, yeah, it's, yeah, um, sorry, losing the track of thought there. Um, yeah, we, we need to get them out of office. So this, this is a bit of a segue into the, the final bit that I wanted to rant about tonight um, was recommend that people join the Australian Federation Party um, because it is one of those new parties uh, that has popped up um, seeking registration at um, prior to the BEC uh, locking up the the ability for parties to get registered. Now, 
it's the thing. I know I've I've ranted about political parties before and said that you know majority of them, or most of the time, that they're if not all, they're part of the problem, not part of the solution. I after looking at all the other parties, um, I think at this point in time, the um, Australian Federation Party is probably the far better alternative uh, to to the established ones. Now, yes. There are um, a whole lot of um, what they call freedom parties starting up. Uh, I think that a lot of them uh, are run by or, or um, have people in control who don't necessarily know what they're doing politically um, for that. So it's likely to be a bit of a flash in the pan and especially when political parties are centred around an individual. Now, any parties that relate to an individual, you do have to have concerns about because if that individual is no longer in parliament or prominent, then what happens to the party uh, for that? So for that, you need to you know look for a party that, that isn't that, has a um, broad-based appeal, so we're not talking about um, single-issue parties like Victorian Socialists and Transport Matters and, and all that sort of stuff. Um, I think that it is my view that the Australian Federation Party is probably the better one to join more from the uh, understanding of the uh, Victorian leadership team uh, and I'm hoping to get them or, or one or two of them on a bit of a podcast, have a bit of a discussion uh, in the next week or so, um, but at least um, sometime before the before the election, um, maybe uh, once they seek registration or once they've been registered. Um, from what I understand is that uh, there's a whole lot of, uh, won't say shenanigans going on behind the scenes or anything like that, but it's the way that the system is. So what you need to do to get registered as a political party in Victoria is you need to have applied before the close-off date, which they've done. You need to provide a list of 500 members, which at least 500 members, which they've done. The Victorian Electoral Commission in turn sends a letter out to these individuals giving them a certain period of time to respond. Now, it does, the Victorian Election Commission, Electoral Commission is not concerned with postal delays or mail being lost. Um, I think it's only going... Uh, normal mail. I don't think it's going registered or tracked or anything like that. Uh, so, yeah, it's it's that. So there is concerns with postal delays, um, mail getting lost. Um, who knows what goes on? Then out of that five hundred, they turn around and say, "Oh yes, okay, you've only you know two hundred and fifty people have responded. So you need to provide us with another two hundred and fifty people." So you provide you know they're provided with a list of you know an, a supplementary list. So let's say they've got. Um, you know, 300 on that that supplementary list. So then out of that 300, if they go and, you know, let's say 50% respond for that, it's 150, which takes that toll up to 400, 400 even. And so the Victorian Electoral Commission says no in their mind that no, you're not um, satisfied. You know, you don't meet the requirement of a party because you don't have 500 members. Despite them having on their books by that, what, um, 800 members... No, Electoral Commission turns around and says, no, as per our rules, you only have 400. Now, this is obviously the system doing what it can to protect itself uh, and there's no big conspiracies here. It's just the way that 
the legislation is working is written uh, for that. So from that end, what I'd like to do is that if anyone is listening to this podcast is in the state of Victoria, whether you admit it or not, um, I would you know really appreciate it if you could join up. I'll include a link to the uh, their website to join up. Uh, membership is free. Uh, join up. Get involved in it. See who it is. Um, I'm not sure when they're going to make announcements for who their candidates are, though that'll probably come after uh, registration has been approved uh, for that one. So, yeah, just join up, um, though you do need to be, if you're joining with the OzFed and you're a member of a pre other political party, you do need to resign your membership uh, for that and you do need to be on the electoral roll in Victoria. Uh, for that because obviously then the Victoria Electoral Commission is going to use their records of your name and address and post you out a letter. Now, if you're not on the roll, then they can't post you out a letter and you're deemed to not be a member. So on that part, if you are, um, it's a thing. The other thing too is that if you don't want to become a, a member of a political party, um, you know what, join for the next couple of months. Um, just to allow, just to enable them to get registered as a political party, you can resign after that. You can resign, you know, the day of the election or, or when um, the government goes into caretaker mode, which is, I think, the, is it the start of November or late October when the government goes into caretaker mode uh, for that one. So you know, it's up to you uh, if you can, if you can help out the party by becoming a member. So they can get registered, it would be greatly appreciated. Um, obviously, as I said, I'm not telling you anything to do. I'm just asking for help. Uh, if you're able to do it, that would be good. If you're not, well, hey, that's fine. No harm, no foul. And uh, I still hope that you do continue listening to this show. And I would still appreciate you listening to the show uh, and all that sort of stuff. So, but anyway, um, as I said, there will be a link in the show notes. Um, if you want to head there now while you're listening, uh, what you do is you go to www.australianfederationparty.com.au forward slash membership and that will take you to the join the Australian Federation Party and just put in your details there to form and then you can click send and you'll it'll be sent out to you. Uh, you know, it'll be registered, you get an email and all that sort of stuff. So that's australianfederationparty.com.au. Australian Federation Party is all one word, no hyphens, no dashes or anything like that in there uh, for that. So uh, I do recommend that you do that um, and I would appreciate you joining up. Uh, for that one. So anyway... Um, what else? I think that's about it for this one. Um, I will try and get another one out tomorrow, being Monday, uh, being a new working week. There's bound to be things that have popped up and things that we can rant about. So until then, uh, thanks for joining. Uh, thanks for joining. Thanks for listening. Um, hopefully you do join, in which case you will get an email saying thank you for joining uh, and all that sort of stuff. So until the next one, bye for now. Thank you for listening to this episode of The Fifth Estate, the news behind the headlines. Until the next episode of The Fifth Estate releases, we'd love for you to leave a review wherever you go to for quality podcasts. And we'll keep holding those in power in check.